Holy Spirit, our helper, our advocate, open our hearts and minds this day. Spark in us, we pray, a word of life, a message that enables us to share Christ's love with others as we seek to live as faithful disciples. All this we ask in the name of the triune God who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. Today is our third and last Sunday to focus on text from 1 Timothy. The uh, four Sundays of October will be in 2 Timothy. Remember that 1 and 2 Timothy and the letter to Titus are called pastoral letters. They give guidance in organizing Christian communities in ways that reflect right doctrine and confront the challenges brought by rival teachers. The verses we'll read today deal with, I should warn you, they deal with a very sensitive subject, something people take seriously and regard as personal and private money. You've been warned. Listen now, for the word of God in 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter, starting at the sixth verse, and I'll be reading from that CEB, the Common English Bible. Actually, goodness, godliness that is, is a great source of profit when it is combined with being happy with what you already have. We didn't bring anything into this world, and so we can't take anything out of it. We'll be happy with food and clothing. But people who are trying to get rich fall to temptation. They're trapped by many stupid and harmful passions that plunge people into ruin and distraction. Actually, that's destruction. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some have wandered away from the faith and have impaled themselves with a lot of pain because they made money their goal. But as for you, man of God, run away from all these things. Instead, pursue righteousness, holy living, faithfulness, love, endurance, and gentleness. Compete in the good fight of faith. Grab hold of eternal life. You were called to it. And you made a good confession of it in the presence of many witnesses. I command you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and Christ Jesus who made the good confession when testifying before Pontius Pilate. Obey this order without fault or failure until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ. The timing of this appearance is revealed by God alone who is the, is the blessed and only master, the king of kings and lord of lords. He alone has immortality and lives in light that no one can come near. No human being has ever seen him or is able to see him. Honor and eternal power belong to him. Amen. Tell people who are rich at this time not to become egotistical and not to place their hope on their finances, which are uncertain. Instead, they need hope in God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in the good things they do and to be generous and to share with others. When they do these things, they will share a treasure save up a treasure for themselves that is a good foundation for the future. That way, they can take hold of what is truly life. 
This is the word of the Lord. O oh Lord, may our thoughts and may my words be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Every morning in our house, our custom is to have a, a daily discussion announced during breakfast, preferably after I've had at least my first sip of coffee. The announcement is, Goals group, each of us mentions some of the things that we hope to accomplish that day. For me, well, a lot of the daily goals are Bria related. You know, post the audio of last week's sermon online and a few pictures and videos. Prepare next Sunday's bulletin. It is homecoming, you know. Finish the sermon. <laughs> Call or visit someone, hospital, on the phone, whatever. Or goals group, it helps each of us know what we're trying to accomplish that day and it enables us as a family to encourage each other along the way, to say out loud what our goals are. It's a kind of accountability, it commits us to those goals. So let me ask you, not just about today, but about all your days, what is your goal in life? Content or contentment? The writer of this letter to Timothy has warnings and guidance for us to consider. Verse 6 recommends godliness combined with being happy with what you already have. So what constitutes godliness? The Greek word that's used there to describe living life in a way that's pleasing to God, it's found mostly actually in these letters to Timothy and Titus. And in 2 Peter, biblical writers generally prefer other words, things like righteousness and faith and steadfastness or holiness to describe a faith and life that's pleasing to God. In the fourth chapter of the first letter to Timothy, we read, train yourselves in godliness. For while physical training is of some value, godliness is valuable in every way holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And then comes one of those faithful sayings we talked about the other week. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance for to this end we toil and struggle because we have hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people. Now two verses, both the seventh and the 17th we read, Tell us some unwelcome news. You can't count on riches to last. The seventh verse reminds us that even if we amass millions and millions or maybe billions and billions, all the stuff that money can buy, to, in the end, it won't matter at all. We didn't bring anything into this world. We can't take anything out of it. You know, Jesus told a parable about a fellow who's whose faith was in his riches. In the 12th chapter of Luke's gospel, we read that Jesus said to him, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then here's the parable he told him. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? Well, I have no place to store all my crops. Then he said, I'll do this. 
I'll pull down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is being demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. Well, not only did we arrive with nothing at birth and can take nothing out of debt, but also what we have in life, it can just be temporary. The 17th verse says, tell people rich at this time not to become egotistical and not to place their hope on their finances, which are uncertain. By the way, there's a, uh, I've often spoken to Walter Brueggem, a scholar whose uh, writing I really find helpful. He has a book on money and possessions in the Bible, and he says that the term used for riches here is plautus, the English version of that, P-L-O-U-T-O-S. That's the where we get the root. It's the root for the word plutocracy, which is governance by the rich. This term suggests excessive resources. Not millions, but billions. The Greek word implying abundance comes up again in the 17th verse, speaks of being richly, that God richly provides everything for our enjoyment. And in the 18th verse where we're told to do good, be rich in the good things you do. Now going back to that 8th verse we read, that expands on the idea of being content with what we have, encouraging us to be happy with clothing and food. That is, basics. Well, if you think about it, even the most modern translations of the Lord's Prayer don't ask, that Jonas Joplin question, you remember that one? Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? That doesn't ask that. What we ask for is daily bread. That is something that represents basic needs of everyday life. Verses 9 and 10 get to the question, what are you willing to do to acquire more, to get richer? One of these... He observes that people who, who are trying to get rich fall into temptation, trapped by stupid and harmful passions that plunge them into ruin and destruction. I once went to the, a neighbor's home to meet a candidate for the North Carolina legislature, and one of the questions I asked him, now Barbara, I asked him about state employees for one thing. That was one of those phases where we hadn't gotten a raise in about eight years, you know. They were doing other things. Well, I asked him about the lottery. That was being proposed at that point. And here's what he said. Rich people like the idea of a lottery because they think my taxes will go down. And poor people like the idea of a lottery because they think I'm going to get rich. He said the problem is they're both wrong. And that's still true. He got my vote. Well, you probably know someone who's fallen prey to some sort of get-rich scheme. Perhaps it was one of those pyramid sales deals, you know, where you get rich off the sales work of other people. 
Maybe it was one of those chain letter scams. I knew a person who was smart enough to have earned a Phi Beta Kappa key who mailed $100 cash money to Boston to somebody that had no idea who they were, hoping to get many hundreds back in return. Didn't happen. And it was not Betty. She, she got her Phi Beta Kappa key for being, being smart as well as wise. But this, friend, this lady gave away her money. I also know a man who spent 69 months in federal prison for scamming more than $6 million out of other people. And of course, the other people, they gave him all that money because they had that, their desire for money far exceeded their common sense. Part of the way these things work. Well, you don't have to wait for WRL's Monocle of Liberty to warn you on the six o'clock news. Right here in Timothy, it says, we're warned not to get trapped by stupid and harmful passions that can plunge us into ruin and destruction. Now, the 10th verse of this part of the Bible is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. It does not say money is the root of all evil. You've heard people say that, right? It's in the Bible? No. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That some have wandered away from faith and have impaled themselves with a lot of pain. The third chapter of 2 Timothy, we'll focus on in October, warns us about humans who pursue gain instead of godliness. He writes, people will be selfish and love money. They will they'll be the kind of people who brag People are proud. They'll slander others. They'll be disobedient to their parents. They'll be ungrateful, unholy, unloving, contrary, critical. Not the people to like on Facebook, right? They'll be without self-control and brutal. And they won't love what is good. They will be people who are disloyal, reckless, and conceited. They will, be, they will love pleasures instead of loving God. They will look like they're religious but deny God's power. And the second thing it says, avoid people like this. Well, none of this says that having money is a bad thing. As you've often heard me say for the collection, I'll say all good gifts come from God. It's a paraphrase of what James writes, first chapter. The problem with riches is they come with many, many powerful seductions, such as the folly that, well, that we can trust our wealth. The foolishness that we don't need God, we don't need anybody. I got mine. So if we don't buy into that notion that the winners in life or whoever dies with the biggest bank account, the biggest house, or the biggest houses in some cases, if we don't buy into the worship of acquisition, accumulation, if we can, with God's help, avoid that addiction to wanting and desiring and craving more and more and more, what then are we to do? The writer of 1 Timothy tells us, hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. We are to be rich in doing good, to be generous, to share with others. Why? Because when we do these things, we will save a treasure that is a good foundation for the future. 
so that we can take hold of what is truly life. Thanks be to God. Beloved, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness so you can take hold of the eternal life to which you are called. Now may the sovereign Lord bless you, may Christ our Redeemer keep you, and may the Holy Spirit sustain you in this life and in the life to come. Amen.